We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we continue to hear from God's word. Now you'll have to apologize, uh, forgive me, I'm reading from the ESV, but um, I trust you can follow along in your own Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Let's pray. Emily, Father, we come now to your word and we ask that you will speak. Holy Spirit, illuminate and bring to life the words that we have heard. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we might build our lives on your word. And so we ask this in your name. Amen. The Three Little Pigs. Uh, anyone not know the fable, The Three Little Pigs? Just checking. No? Okay. Uh, the Three Little Pigs is a fable about three pigs who build how many houses? Three. Three houses of different materials. Who knows what they are? Straw. Wood, sticks, bricks. 
the big bad wolf comes along and he does what? He blows down the first two pigs' houses made of straw and sticks. But he is unable to do a thing about the third pig's house made of bricks. Our lives, our faith and the church is a lot like building a house. The foundation and your building plan matters. And the results depend on them. And we live in a world that suggests that all kinds of foundations and methods are viable. Particularly health, wealth and success, just to name a few. But how good are they? Will they stand the test of time? Will they stand the test of eternity? And I wonder what kind of life you want to build. What kind of faith you want to have. What kind of church you want to see. The gospel invites us to build our lives on Christ. Christ himself is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. The wisdom of God. His death and resurrection. His blood shed on the cross. Fills the bedrock of life. Faith and the church. And so we read words like this in Isaiah. Therefore... Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And my prayer for this church and for you today is that your life, your faith will be built on Christ. That as you grow in maturity into him who is the head, the cornerstone on which all things stand. And as a result, that you will be God's temple, the dwelling place of his spirit, where the world, where people that you know and love will encounter and experience the grace, mercy and love of God. In this letter to the Corinthians, Paul responds to a number of issues facing the church. Various conflicts, misunderstandings, poorly applied gospel truths. And in this particular chapter, we see them divided because of their differing opinions on two leaders, Paul and Apollos. Now, there's no conflict between Paul and Apollos. They get along fine. But the church was divided because they sought to get their identity By their association with them. For one says I follow Paul. And another I follow Apollos. Who's got the most followers? Who's got the most likes? Who's got the most views on social media? Who has the better credentials? Who's written the most books? Who do my friends like? The list goes on and on. And this kind of thinking. This kind of behavior Paul says is merely human. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And this is an age-old problem. This is nothing new. We apply human wisdom, human standards to our lives, our faith and our church. We go right back to the beginning and we have Abraham and Lot choosing where to go, what land to live on. And Lot chooses what is visibly more prosperous, more rich. 
Samuel is sent to anoint a new king from the sons of Jesse. And what does God say to him? Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Prophesying about Jesus, Isaiah says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. We are inclined to think in human ways. And because of this human thinking, this human wisdom, we see conflict, disagreement in the Corinthian church and the church today over issues of theology, certain ministry workers. And in the digital age, no public Christian figure is above critique. There are whole websites dedicated to checking and critiquing every spoken and written word of popular Christian leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. Christian leaders and teachers need to be above reproach. They need to be held accountable. And we've seen that particularly in recent years. But in the same way, you weigh up what I say now in light of scripture, in God's word. But as that critique is done, as that accountability is done, it's not done through anonymous critique and slander on websites and social media. The Corinthians apply this human wisdom to spiritual things. And Paul calls them spiritual babies. Paul reminds us that the firm foundation is Christ himself, not the lives and the words of people, however great or godly they may seem. So build your life on Christ. Be a fool for Christ. So what does foolishness look like? Pursuing godly wisdom instead of human wisdom. Paul counters this human wisdom with foolishness. The world looks for life coaches, social influencers, superstars, idols to follow, people to build their lives on. But Paul sees a simple truth. That even the greatest among us are only human. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So yes, God uses elders and teachers, pastors and gospel workers to teach us about life and the truth of the gospel. But they're just servants. They're just servants. They're like contractors on a building site. They work, but they don't get the credit for the building. The builder does or the firm that contracts them. In the gospel, God is the builder, the master builder, who commissions his servants to do the work. But not only does he get the credit, he alone, but he's the one who makes it all happen. He's the one who finances the whole thing, who drives the whole thing, who provides all things. The gospel worker is powerless to change lives. Only God can do that through his Holy Spirit. But people still somewhat expect gospel workers to do it all. 
I came across this old chain letter that describes the perfect pastor. Let me read part of it to you. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. I've got one minute left. He condemns sin roundly but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and he is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books and donates $30 a week to the church. He's 29 years old and has 40 years worth of experience. Above all, he is handsome. That's a little dated if, you, if you're wondering. And while I hope that you know that there is no such thing as a perfect pastor, it doesn't mean that they're not accountable for their work. As contractors, they're responsible for the work they do on a building site. They receive their wages for the work they do. Carefully building on the foundation, that is Christ. And what is the ministry worker rewarded for? They're rewarded for the quality of their work. In verse 13. Not the choice of materials. In fact, I don't think Paul's point is the materials at all. But what is done with them. Anyone, anyone in civil engineering at all? No? In civil engineering, uh, students uh, in the course that they study, uh, students are given uh, various materials from straws to chopsticks to string uh, to build a bridge, and it needs to bear a significant amount of weight. What is important in that project is not the materials themselves, but how they build it. You go look at a suspension bridge and the way that that's constructed. It's the way that it's built that allows it to bear the weight, not the materials that are being used. And this is the problem with the Corinthians. They viewed the church, they viewed people through human lens, not God's lens. Now, I don't know you and I don't know who God has made you to be. But I do know that each one of you has a different personality, different gifts, intellect, skills, social background. And as we look at the apostles, they were uneducated. And Paul goes so far to count his own qualifications, which were prestigious in Philippians 3.8, as rubbish. Yet God used them. The uneducated and the prestigious. God used them to take the gospel to the known world. Is God unable to build his church in the slums of Asia? Or does he need the minds of top universities and the wealth of cities to build his church? No, he doesn't. God builds his church wherever he chooses by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he can do that here with each one of you. The materials aren't as important, but the quality of the work does. The means of building matter. Because one day, each and every person in every church will be revealed with fire. Testing the quality of the gospel work. Will the big bad wolf be able to blow over the house of God? 
If not, there is a reward for the work. But if it's blown over or burned up like the first two little pigs, they might just escape with their lives. This doesn't apply just to the pastor, elder, ministry worker. This applies to all of us. Commissioned by Jesus to make disciples of all nations. By God's grace, we can be better trained and equipped to live out the gospel, to live our lives and our faith shaped by the gospel, and to build upon Christ, to build our lives, to build our faith, to build our witness, to build the church on Christ, the wisdom of God. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that we get this right? Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone, is, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I've often heard these verses apply to simply our physical bodies. That we are, or I am, the temple of God. But Paul's talking about something different. He's talking about you gathered. The gathering of God's people. You are God's church. His temple, the dwelling place of his spirit. This is God's temple, not the building. You gathered together where his spirit dwells and his glory is revealed for the world to see. Back in ancient Israel, the temple and everything inside was sanctified and made holy by the blood of a sacrificial animal. To be made holy, to be dedicated and set apart for the purposes of God. And that's no different today. The church and everyone in it is sanctified. It is made holy. It is set apart by blood. The blood of Christ. The Lamb of God sacrificed on the cross. And the church is built upon this foundation, Christ, and made holy by his blood. And this defines who the church is. It clarifies who you are as a member of the church, the body of Christ. It defines your identity, not the world. You are who God says you are. Not who the world says you are. We are seeing the world, well, it's not new, but we're seeing the world try and define who the church is. There are countries in the world where governments seek to dictate the practices and even the theology of the church. And even here in Australia, we see hints of attempts to limit the practices and the theology of the church. Now, this isn't something to alarm us or cause us to react. But it is an opportunity for us to refocus and reaffirm what our foundations are. And that's Christ. The first two little pigs foolishly depended on quick and easy solutions to build their homes. And when the wolf came and tested their hurried buildings... They were blown over with ease. But when the wolf came to the third little pig's house, it stood firm. 
It was built with wise planning, and it would not be shaken by the huffing and puffing of a big, bad wolf. Let no one deceive himself. Verse 18. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Be a fool. Trust God. Because that is the foolish thing to do. I follow Jesus and people think you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Why would you follow some outdated, old-fashioned religion? Why would you give your life and your time to some horrible, intolerant, unaccepting church? Wait, you actually believe in heaven and hell? You actually believe that? Why waste your weekends, your glorious weekends, going to the church, listening to some old stuffy guy preach? Come to the coast with me. Why are you here today? I wonder if you're here because maybe, just maybe, you're a fool. You're a fool enough to think that the words of Jesus and the word of God might have something to them. God forbid that these words are true and you might find life in them. Foolish enough to think that the God of heaven and earth, the God Almighty, would die for you and the sins of the world. Maybe you're foolish enough to build your life, to stake your faith in everything. And this church on the foundation that is Christ. Maybe you're just enough of a fool to do that. Maybe you're not sure. And Paul says to the Corinthians, For the word of the cross is folly. It is foolish to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I have no doubt that the message of the gospel sounds like utter foolishness to our world. It always has. From the first century till now, it is foolishness. Who in their right mind would bet their lives on someone else dying for them? But that's what Jesus does. Jesus dies for sinners. He dies for you. He dies for our world. And it may seem foolish to our world, but it is this foolish gospel that God was pleased to bring salvation, to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring meaning and purpose to this world. On the flip side, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Paul reminds us that God will catch the wise in their craftiness, in their sneakiness, in their schemes. He knows the futile thoughts of the wise. Will it stand the test? Will it stand the fires that God will bring to reveal the quality of work of life? That is being built. 
the wisdom of the world will be blown over by the big bad wolf. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of another kind of wisdom. So where does that leave us? Well, let's go back to the beginning. The Corinthians tried to build their identity through their association with one leader over another. One says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. The Christian's identity is found and built on Christ. Verse 21, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Again and again, we're reminded that our identity is found in Christ. Not our association with a particular person, church, theological point of view or worldly standards of importance or prosperity. Health, wealth and success. Our identity is in Christ. All things are yours. Life is yours. Now we could spend a whole other day talking about what that means. But more importantly, you belong to Christ. And the church belongs to Christ. Be a fool who will boast not in men, but in Christ, who was crucified for you, and therefore you to the world. Build your identity on Christ, so that when the big bad wolf of life comes along, you are not easily blown over. For Christian parents, what example do we set then for our children? What gospel do we live out for them to see? Is our gospel identity built on Christ or is it built on standards of importance and prosperity of health, wealth and success? This means we no longer view others from a worldly point of view. But instead we view people from the viewpoint of Christ. As brothers and sisters in Christ we are new creations. Reconciled to God through Christ. So we should be reconciled to one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ. We view and treat those of the world. With grace and compassion. Just as Jesus had compassion on the crowds and on us. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Each and every person is made in the image of God. From the unborn child to the elderly on their deathbed. The able-bodied person to the person with a disability. To the creative, to the intellectual, male and female and everything in between. All are made in the image of God. And the world may seek to define a view on those kinds of people. By their own standards. The worth of an unborn child. The worth of the person facing death. And everything in between. The world will try and set its standards. But the gospel tells us that everyone is made in the image of God. And all are precious in his sight. And so we treat them and see them that way. While no... Gospel worker, pastor, elder, teacher can or should ever take the place of Christ. They do help us to bring the gospel to life in each and every day. 
And so encourage them, support them, pray for them as they seek to plant and water those seeds of the gospel. But also each one of us is called to go and make disciples in our everyday lives. Maybe that's your family, your children, a friend, neighbor, a colleague at school or someone that's a a colleague at work where God has placed you to bring them to faith in Christ. While it's entirely God's work to make those seeds grow, the seeds of the gospel, it doesn't excuse us from being lazy. God invites us to be a part of making disciples, building people on the foundation that is Christ. How we build the gospel in people's lives matters. It's not the materials, but what we do, the method. So be prayerful, be gracious, loving, gentle, respectful, but also be equipped and prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ. To live this way is to be a fool in the eyes of the world, but this foolishness is the wisdom of God. For a hundred years, Noah was a fool in his day. For building an ark and preaching salvation before the flood would come. Yet when the flood did come, only eight people were saved. When the big bad wolf comes to the third little pig's house, his attempts fail to blow the house down. No amount of huffing and puffing worked. And when Jesus comes again, the world will be tested with fire and people's lives and their work will be shown for what it is. The craftiness and futility of the world's wisdom will be blown over by the wisdom of God. But the fools who build their lives on Christ will stand. Remember this, Christ died for you. And so your identity and your worth and the identity and the worth of the church hinges on that. On the price that Christ paid for you and his church with his blood. Not only did he die, but he rose again in victory. He conquers sin and death. And as a result, the church is the temple of God. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Where a holy people gather to declare the wonders of God to a world drowning in its wisdom. So be a fool. Be a fool for Christ. For all are yours and you are Christ. And Christ is God's. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you now. Asking for your help. Help us. To be fools for Christ. Help us to build our lives on the foundation that is Christ alone. In your mercy and your grace, Holy Spirit, chip away at the wisdom of the world that dwells within us. That we might take hold of the wisdom of God. 
taking hold of Christ. Help us, give us courage and boldness to stake our lives on this foolish gospel that we might stand until the end of time. Help us to stand on Christ taking hold of his word each and every day. That we might be your temple, the church, the dwelling place of your Holy Spirit. So that the world might know the life-giving message of the gospel that is Christ alone. And so help us to do that, we pray. And we do that in Jesus' name.